Hello and welcome to Cubicles in Christ. Kelly Johnson, certified leadership coach and founder of Be Well My Soul, is on a mission to encourage and inspire you to be spiritually authentic and thrive in life. Let's join the conversation with Kelly now. Have you ever felt like you were literally in the battle of your lifetime? Today, we are going to talk about spiritual warfare, what it is, what does it mean as it relates to being spiritually authentic and thriving in life. Today, I'm truly blessed and honored, and I know you will be as well, to join the conversation with Kim Meyer. Kim is the founder of Relentless Women Warriors, and she's the author of two YouVersion devotional plans titled Our Modern Warfare. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Kelly. I am delighted to be with you today. Absolutely. So just a little bit more about Kim. She's based in Oklahoma. She's a mother of five in the process of completing the adoption, or is it already completed, Kim? It was completed five months ago. Congratulations. So tell us a little bit about your family. I have been married for 15 and a half years to my husband, Clayton. And together we have two biological kiddos. My daughter, my baby, is five, and my youngest son, Jet, is seven. And then five months ago, we completed a four and a half year international adoption, and we brought home our three sons from Haiti. Merdno is 18, Carlo 14, and Potterson is 13. And life is very loud and very busy right now. <laughs> But we are so full of joy and just gratitude that God has finally brought our family together under one roof. There was a time where I didn't know that that would ever happen. And so it's so much fun having a large family all at once. Praise the Lord. Well, that's such a blessing. And I know you're now sort of busting at the seams, but it's a good busting at the seams, right? In the house. (laughs) It is. We have very quickly outgrown our three bedroom house and Yes, we, the Lord needs to give my daughter her own room. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, again, super excited about um, having the conversation on spiritual warfare. I do want to share a verse um, that has literally, I promise I'm not making this up, but it's literally been resonating in my spirit off and on for like the last two years. And so that is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 starting at verse three and ending at verse five, but it says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Amen. I just love that passage. It's powerful. It is. There's so much in there. Kim, help us to understand like the basics, because I know when, at least for me, when I think about spiritual warfare, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel big. It can feel like, ooh, you know, (laughs) like like mystical. And so there's just, for me personally, there have been, just some mixed emotions, mixed thoughts about spiritual warfare. So help us to understand the basics. What is it? 
Okay. So spiritual warfare, it's a term that we use in the church world, but yet few can really identify what it is. I want to make it super easy. My definition of spiritual warfare is anything the enemy uses to draw our hearts and our minds away from God. So when we look at spiritual warfare, I believe firmly that we need to lay a very firm foundation on what does the Bible say. And to do that, we have to have a good understanding of who our God is. Our God is the creator. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. All life has come from him. And he is omniscient, omnipresent, and all-powerful. And those are big words. And what those mean are basically he is with us and he knows everything. And yet he still loves us. He is all-powerful, meaning none are greater than him. And it's important that we understand who God is. Because as we start to learn more about who our enemy is and the war that we are living in, it can be a little scary. But that's why we have to remember who God is, because he's the creator. No one is greater than him. When I first started studying spiritual warfare, it was right before my daughter was born, my baby. And I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church my entire life. Anytime the church was open, I was there. And yet, when I was 27, 28 years old, I could not explain what spiritual warfare was. I had no idea. And I wanted to change that. I felt like God was calling me to learn more. And as I started to study what the Bible said, I quickly realized that there was kind of a disconnect in the church world versus what the Bible said about spiritual warfare. And one of the ways that I discovered this was I would go to a Christian bookstore and look for good resources that would help me understand and learn more about this topic. And every single time I would go to the spiritual warfare section, every single book in that category had black covers, red letters, and like a poison apple on the front. (laughs) And it looked scary. And It was the complete opposite of the victory that the Bible was showing me was possible through Jesus. Amen. And I just did not understand. Like if spiritual warfare in the Bible is shown from a point of view of victory, why are all the resources and books we have as Christians making it look terrifying? And it's something we should not be learning more about. And it made me angry. I call it my righteous rage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It really frustrates me that this is a topic that affects every single person, but few of us know what it is and know how to fight back. And that's kind of where my passion, God has taken this passion and just pushed me out to do something about it. So with spiritual warfare, we know who God is, but a lot of us, who's the enemy? Who do you think the enemy is? It can be easy to think your mother-in-law is the enemy. Your boss is not the enemy. You may not like your boss, but he is not the enemy of the world. The Bible has made it crystal clear. We have one enemy and his name is Satan. It's important to know where Satan came from because we need to learn who he was in heaven and his created role that God gave him so that now as the enemy of mankind towards God, we can see how he takes 
the way he was created and perverts it to draw us away from God. We can learn patterns and see strategies on how he uses that against women. So in heaven, God created Lucifer. He is a created being. It's very important to remember God created him. And Lucifer was created like none other. Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 give us lots of information about who he was in heaven, his role, his ranking, his position, even the way he was decorated. Ezekiel 28 shows us that Lucifer was full of wisdom and beauty. And very quickly in Ezekiel, we see how something so beautiful that God created became pride, had pride growing in his heart. He was a guardian cherub. And what that basically means is his wings covered the throne of God. He was like a personal protector over the throne of God. So he had access to God that not many did. He had a very high ranking position in the angelic realm. And as the Bible has shared with us in numerous locations, he became full of pride. Now, the Bible does not tell us why he became full of pride. So what did he do? He somehow manipulated and turned one third of the angelic army against God. Now, the Bible has not given us a specific number of angels in heaven, but it has used several references that indicate the angels. There's no number. There's billions upon billions of angels. And yet Lucifer was able to pervert one third of them and draw them away from God. As we know, God is holy. He cannot be near sin. So God had to address the issue. He called Lucifer out and kicked him out of heaven. And thus, one third of the angels fell from heaven with Lucifer to earth, where Lucifer lost his ranking, his title, his position. He even lost his name. His name became Satan, the prince of darkness. And there was no light found in him. So that right there is how the war started. Wow. That is so, I remember reading the YouVersion Bible plan that you wrote, and I highly recommend everyone listening, go to YouVersion Bible app, download both plans, Our Modern Warfare is the title. But I remember just so vividly kind of the mental picture I had in my mind, which I know does not compare to the, the reality of how beautiful Lucifer was and what that was like to literally be to have, I think you described like the, the wings that he had and how they like covered God and just what that was like. I had never, I had never picked up on that passage of scripture before. It was like, it was so illuminated for me and eye opening, even just to realize, well, wow, God, like you literally created Lucifer your God, so you knew what would happen. It's, it kind of is mind blowing. It is. And another key point you just said in Ezekiel 28, it shows us how he was decorated. God makes beauty. Everything God makes is good, but it's imperative that we know God did not create Lucifer to sin. Just like God gave mankind free will, the angels had free will. 
And the reason for that, I believe, is because God wants our love and devotion to be a choice, not a mandate. And he gave that same ability to the angels. And that is why one third of them turned away from him and chose Lucifer instead of God. That is key. That is a very key point because depending on where you are in your salvation, that could be a challenging point to absorb. But God is consistent. He doesn't pick and choose. Okay, for this set of people or for human beings, I'm going to give you free will. But for my angelic peeps, I'm going to make them like they have to love me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for making that um, clarification about how God is a God of free will. He doesn't force us to love him. He wants it to be something that we want to do freely and willingly. Um, And I think given the weight of this topic of spiritual warfare, Kim, I know that you have a really strong heart to make sure that people understand the gospel and what the role of salvation is in particular to all of us. Do you want to cover that now, maybe? Absolutely. It is important that as we study spiritual warfare, that we're reminded, why are we even talking about this right now? Why do we even have a chance against an enemy that is created to be bigger, stronger, smarter, and better than us? And it's the answer is only because of Jesus. God loved us enough to send his own son, Jesus, to rescue us from the evil that has been over us since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. The moment Adam and Eve ate that fruit and disobeyed God, sin entered our world. That sin put a barrier between us and God, a barrier God did not want to have in place. But because of his holiness, he can't be around sin. And that is when the enemy jumped on on board of earth and just went crazy, turning mankind as far away from God as he possibly could. God sent us Jesus. We all know Jesus, born of a virgin, perfect life, gave up his life, shed his innocent, perfect blood to ransom us. And then he rose from the dead three days later, defeating the enemy. The Bible in the New Testament has made it very clear Spiritual warfare is only possible to have victory because of Jesus. And if you have not chosen Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is not a subject for you. The enemy is bigger and stronger than us. And if you don't have the blood of Jesus covering you, you cannot be successful against the enemy. Acts 11 tells the story of men that were trying to do this very thing, trying to pretend they knew Jesus. And you can read in that chapter what happened. Jude, the book of Jude, was written by Jesus's half-brother. And in Jude verses 8 and 9, he gives us a picture of the archangel Michael. And if you're not familiar with him, think of Michael, the archangel, like heaven's most intense warrior. Like he is the biggest and the best warrior of, out of all the angels in heaven. If he was having a dispute with Satan over a topic, Michael, the archangel, would not say a single slanderous accusation against Satan. But instead, he only said, the Lord rebuke you. Yes. The Bible has given us these clear warnings. 
you know, we're going to talk about this a little later, but they're not our words that defeat the enemy. It's God's word. If you are not a child of God, this is not a subject for you because you can and will be hurt. This is not a subject we need to fear. Once you are covered by the blood of Jesus, you can and will have victory over the enemy. But the blood of Jesus is the key point. If you have not confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and would like to talk more about that, feel free to reach out to me because I would love to have that conversation with you because that's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came. And I would love to help you if you had questions in regards to that. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. And and likewise, I'm happy to answer questions anyone may have. It's really, really important to be certain, absolutely certain where you stand from a salvation experience. We're going to post a couple of scripture references. And um, I'll just say those very quickly now. Acts 16.31, Romans 10, 9-10. And a wonderful resource, again, is the Version reading uh, or the app, the Version Bible app. You can literally do almost like a Google search within the app and type in new believer, type in salvation, type in some keywords. And those are also some really great resources. But Kim and I are absolutely um, happy to help answer any questions that we can. Absolutely. So... You were saying, so you've given us a good overview of like, who are the players, right? So if you're a war, you know, there's always two, at least two sides to a war, to a battle. If you think about kind of the, the literal army kind of situation to teams on a field, to countries on a field battling. Um, and I loved what you were saying about out of Jude with Michael, the archangel Michael because that has always stood out to me as well, that Michael himself, the archangel, would not personally rebuke the enemy. And Mm -hmm. he said, the Lord rebuke you. And that is key. I think that's one of those areas where we can get ourselves into a little bit of a pickle um, if we try to walk in an authority that is not ours on our own. And um, without Jesus, and um, I like to think of Michael as almost like he's like the actor, The Rock, and like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like <laughs> like yes. you know, he's like he's like all combined, and you know, add some other you know big big dudes to him, and like picture this big dude who has like a big sword, and he's still giving the the deference, giving the the honor, the the distinction to Jesus to do the rebuking the judge only the judge can take care of this business and god is going to take care of this absolutely so what's next you've helped us understand who the players are where should we go next talk about the armor our spiritual armor is a subject that a lot of us memorized when we were kids and sunday school but now that we're adults if i say each individual piece of armor Can you identify that to your life in 2018? And so Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, we call that our armor of God passage. And in this passage, we're going to break down each piece of armor and very quickly and try to give you some application for your current life. So the first piece of armor that we have is the belt of truth. And I will say, if in case you are not familiar with this passage, this passage was written by Paul 
He was an apostle. And as he's writing this passage, he's actually inside a Roman prison. He has been imprisoned for preaching the news about Jesus Christ. And as he's writing this, he has a Roman guard standing right next to him because he is bound by chains to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. He is under guard and under watch for every second of his life. So as he's writing this passage, he has the perfect model in front of him and the Holy Spirit that helped him tie our spiritual armor to the armor that the people in that day could identify with. So he starts with the belt of truth. I like to view this piece like a belt that you wrap around your waist. Your belt helps to hold your pants up. And our belt of truth is what should be around our entire life. God's truth should hold up our lives. And if we are not firmly planted in God's word, in his truth, we're not going to be able to stand firm. If we don't know what God's word says, how can we live it out? How can we know what God wants us to do and contrast that to what the world wants us to do? If we're not in God's word, we will not be standing firm for him. The belt of truth is extremely important because we know our enemy, as we talked about earlier. He was designed and created to be full of wisdom and beauty, the model of perfection. And so what he does is he takes a little bit of truth and then distorts it and perverts it and poses it as complete truth. So if we know what God's word says, we can then decipher the truth from the trash. But if we don't know what God's word says, we're not going to be able to stand firm and identify the truth from the trash as quickly as we need because the enemy is fast. He is going to be bombarding us with lie after lie after lie day in and day out. That is why our belt of truth is so important because it wraps God's word around our life and it holds the rest of our armor together. And John 8, 44 talks about how the enemy was a murderer from the beginning. And Jesus himself says this, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Let me ask you a question. If you are having a conversation with someone you know lies frequently, do you tend to believe everything they say or do you put your guard up because you know you're probably going to be fed a lie? Absolutely. That's exactly what Jesus is telling us. Be alert, be aware because the enemy is going to lie to you. Don't take everything he says as truth. And that's why God's word is so important in our life. And I think sometimes not sometimes, but we shouldn't even be surprised when those thoughts come up that are contrary to the word of God, because they have to be. Mm -hmm. Anything that he says or does has to be false. And sometimes it's like, well, why is this happening? Or why would that person say that to me? Or why would, because we have to know the source. Absolutely. Once you know the source, you know, okay, that's all he can produce are lies. Absolutely. And like we talked about, that's why it's important to know who your true enemy is, because the enemy masquerades behind people. He hides behind other people to do his work. He likes to use people as his very own pawns to 
influence them to say and do things so that you get offended and hurt and mad and get your feathers all ruffled. And then you call 20 people and tell them why you're upset rather Mm -hmm. than taking it to God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I think of um, when I think about the belt of truth. Where do I take the lies? Do I take them to heart or do I take them to God? Mm, That's good. That's and your good. belt of truth can whip the enemy back, whip the lies back, and help you to wrap God's truth around your entire life. Good. Okay. So the next piece would be the breastplate of righteousness. And I know for myself, out of all the pieces of armor, when I first studying this, this one seemed like the hardest. Like, it was really churchy, and I didn't understand what it meant, like breastplate of righteousness. like. I don't think my name could be in a sentence with the word righteous. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, me too. Yep. So I just didn't understand it. And so I started studying it. And honestly, this piece in my mind is one of the most convicting, but yet it's also one of my favorite pieces because historically the breastplate was designed to protect the heart and then the major organs. Well, Now, you know, 2,000 years later, we can see how important our heart truly is to our body. You know, our heart is responsible for pumping 1,500 to 2,000 gallons of blood a day. And if poison gets in your heart, what happens? It then is spread all throughout your body. So you can think about this like this. If the enemy is sending lies your way, And a single one gets in your heart. What happens? It then spreads throughout your entire life quickly. That's why this breastplate is so important because it's going to put the barrier between unrighteous living and righteous living. And I want to make this very specific and very practical because this is a topic that in the church world I feel like we just generalize and we don't really break it down. What does it mean? How can I wear my breastplate of righteousness in 2018? The very simple answer is by doing what the Bible says, right? If you have your belt of truth on, you've wrapped God's truth around your life. The breastplate is requiring that you put on the righteous living and take off the unrighteous living. You have to put off the old self. You have to put off the gossiping. You have to put off the binge eating. You have to put off the addictions. You have to put off the toxic thinking and put on God's grace. You have to put on God's love for you. You have to put on patience and peace and love and gentleness and goodness, the fruit of the spirit. When we do that, then we are actually wearing our breastplate of righteousness the way God intended it to be. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24, give us a picture of that. You know, we have to take off the old self in order to put the new self on. And this takes practice. This is a piece of armor that you have to put on every single day. It's not a put on one time and you're good the rest of your life. No, this is a decision. It's a lifelong pursuit that you have to be committed to taking off anything that does not honor God, anything that is contrary to what the Bible says. 
and putting on God's truth and making it applicable. So then the next piece would be our shoes of peace. And this piece is really interesting to me because as Paul is writing it, he has that Roman soldier standing right there. And as he's looking at this soldier, he's probably looking at his sandal. And at the bottom of it, there were what we call metal hobnails. And there were chunks of metal embedded into the bottom of the sandal that would help the soldier as they were to walk across all different kinds of terrain. So this is back in the day where they didn't have Uber or Lyft. (laughs) They had to walk. And the Roman army was so large that they could not give every man a horse. You know, the officers and the higher members were given chariots and horses, but the everyday soldier had to walk. So the soldier that's standing there probably has chunks of mud embedded into this shoe. And so as Paul's writing this, he's thinking about the shoes that we wear every single day. And as women, we like to have the right shoe for the right occasion. Right. (laughs) At least I do. I do too. (laughs) And when you think about peace, do you think about peace as a shoe? I typically, I have not. Mm -mm. And as I've studied this piece of armor, that has changed because I have to take peace everywhere I go. I have five kids. The moment I get out of bed in the morning, if I don't put my shoes of peace on and I walk out into the kitchen and see a dispute or a fight going out between my kids, peace is not the first word that comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And it affects every part of my life when I do not have my peace shoes on. Yeah. And when you think about your shoes, the shoes that you're wearing right now, that shoe was designed to be worn. It's not fulfilling its purpose until it's being worn. That is the way our peace works. Our peace is meant to be put into motion. You know, over the last four and a half years, we had a lot of unknowns as we waited to bring our sons home from Haiti. And I have discovered that God's peace was best displayed in the midst of the crazy, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the, we have no idea when your boys are coming home. That is when God's peace was the most real and tangible thing in my life. And it was in the midst of chaos. I had my peace shoes on. And that is when I experienced God's peace the most. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I really appreciate you saying that because one of the beauties of hearing so many amazing stories on this show is that you can see patterns of how God has worked in other people's lives. And it doesn't mean that he can only work in a certain way, but you, you get to start seeing his character. And he shows up, and it's biblical, but he shows up strong when we are weak. Absolutely. And again, that is scriptural. Don't quote me on where that is right now because I'm having a, a brain lapse, but it, it is there. And the thing that I've also noticed in my own life, as well as others, but I will speak on behalf of myself, I don't want chaos. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to go through pain. I don't want to go through storms. I want the peace to just automatically be there. But it's a really important part of the process of 
growing spiritually, making an impact on others' lives, even if that impact is just your circle of your family. Doesn't have to be an impact of thousands or a hundred people, but God teaches us so much in that chaos, in that storm, yet it's the very thing that we resist the most. Very true. <laughs> and <laughs> and we try to avoid it, right? So it's like, I'm not going to go down that path because it looks uncomfortable. That's the uncomfortable path. That's mm-hmm. the, pa- the path of uncertainty. So I am really appreciative of you sharing it in the context of your adoption process and what that was like. I'm going to just for a moment offer sort of an idea or a suggestion because there's a few more pieces of the armor that we need to talk through. And this is so important, so foundational. I'm almost wondering if we pause here for a moment and maybe pick up in just a few to cover the rest of the armor and maybe go over a couple of other pieces of information that we've talked about. And what we could do is basically create a two-part series. And I know some of you are on your commute and you probably don't want to get out of your car right now because you want to hear the end of this episode. So um, what do you think, Kim, about that? I think that's a great idea because there's so much information. Right, right. And you do a workshop. So let me just kind of let you maybe say a a brief moment about you have a two-day sort of day and a half weekend retreat. So do you want to talk about that as a way for people to learn more? Absolutely. So as a way to take all this information that the Bible has given us, and my heart is to make it applicable in the lives of everyday women, I want to be your battlefield cheerleader. I want to equip you and encourage you to get back out there, stand firm and fight back. And spiritual warfare is a topic we don't understand very deeply. So I've created the two-day workshop Friday night and then most of the day on Saturday where we take a very in-depth look at spiritual warfare. We go through each piece of armor in depth and we go through it slowly so that we truly understand what the Bible says. We then create a strategic battle plan. And that's the battle plan that we are going to work through together. And you're going to identify the most three to five common ways the enemy attacks you. And then together, we're going to go through God's word. And I'm going to help you write God's word out so that when those attacks come, you are prepared and you are ready to fight back the way the Bible teaches you. And it is a lot of fun. And we have so much fun doing this. And I would love for each of you to get to come and be a part of this because it can be a truly life-changing experience if you let it. Wow. Wow. That's so awesome. Thank you for that. And so your website is RelentlessWomenWarriors.com, correct? Correct. Okay, great. So feel free to check out her website to get dates and information on how to register. Also, stay tuned. We've got some things that we're working on for 2019 with Kim and myself looking to bring the Relentless Women Warriors Workshop. Okay, that's a tongue twister. It is. <laughs> we call it, with my team and I, we call it um, RW squared. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's a lot to say. So the yeah. warrior, the warrior ministry. <laughs> yes, I love it. So the Warrior Ministry, Kim and I are in early conversations to talk about a collaboration with Cubicles in Christ. So stay tuned for that as well. 
I also just want to encourage everyone. I know a lot of you listen to the show and are very faithful. I so appreciate you so much. Would you do me a big favor? Would you click the subscribe button? If you're on Google Play, if you're on iTunes, please click subscribe. Please leave a comment or review. I would really appreciate it. We are really partnering together to get this message out to so many other women and men about how to be spiritually authentic and to not leave a piece of your life like work, like your business, like being a stay-at-home mom. Whatever it is you do, Monday through Friday, that takes such a big part of your time, a big part of your day. We want to make sure that the Lord is Lord of that too. And that's what this show is all about, being spiritually authentic, thriving in life because you are keeping the Lord your priority, your main focus, and just trusting that He will take care of everything else. So please subscribe. Please encourage your friends to subscribe. And of course, please join us over on Facebook the Cubicles in Christ community. I want to make sure that we close out in prayer before we pick up with part two with Kim Meyer, the founder of Relentless Women Warriors and author of the YouVersion Bible app devotional called Our Modern Warfare. So Kim, shall we close out in prayer? Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for giving us Jesus, and thank you for giving us hope while we are here on earth, God. I pray that you would encourage and inspire every single woman and man listening to this today, God, that you would encourage them, that they would seek you, truly seek you, God, open your word, and become more like you, God. I pray that you would raise up an army to fight back the evil of this world, God and that you would be glorified through it all. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kim. And be sure to stay tuned for part two of Spiritual Warfare, How to Do Battle God's Way. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for joining this episode of Cubicles in Christ. Be sure to visit BeWellMySoul.com for fresh, biblical inspiration, and practical ideas to thrive in life. May you grow in peace, love, and soul prosperity.